to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good morning, Couchiteers, and welcome to episode 166 of The Big Red Couch. Here, using the pronouns he, him, I am Craig, and on the other side of the planet, where presumably night has fallen and... Uh, the, the country is slowly lapsing into blissful slumber. Has been, yes, also with pronouns he and him. Talk speaking to Craig from the great city of Tamaki Makarao, aka Auckland. Uh, and yes, we've survived the, the Halloweenies throughout the year, which is great because there weren't any because they're in the middle of a pandemic and they should be at home, not dying of the plague. So to be fair, if you had to pick one holiday that encourages mask wearing, Yes, I mean, that's, that is, you know, that's a good point. And possibly social distancing as well. It depends on how effective your costume is. Yeah, mask wearing, social distancing, and individually wrapped snacks. It's like, if, if we had to pick any of them, that would seem to be the right one. The timing doesn't seem great, though. True, and there is that whole thing of, well, we can, we can trick-or-treat around our own neighbourhood, or we can go to the richer neighbourhood next door where I hear they're handing out full-size Snickers bars. Yeah, there's, it's, it's a valid issue. To be fair, Auckland's the who knows who the hell is actually doing Halloween. They, they may tip their hand by decorating aggressively. But um, it's not a consistent thing at this point, and may never be. But, it's so, the wrong yeah. time of year. I mean, it, let, me, let me backtrack well, on that one. Mm. It's the wrong part of the year because in that, hem- in that hemisphere it doesn't get dark until very late. I feel like Halloween trick-or-treating should happen when it's darker and you're heading into a New Zealand summer. Darkness doesn't really exist for a while. Well, it, it takes a while to turn up, but yes, slogging around, sweating and, and sunstruck in your horrible plastic costume, wondering if anyone in this particular street has heard of Halloween, is less of a spooky atmosphere and more of a pain in the butt. So, yeah... It's a shame, really, because my, my parents' place in Auckland has this long, narrow driveway with trees and hedges either side and gateposts with no gates. It would take very little effort to turn that into a monumentally scary environment where any child who actually gets to the house without peeing themselves deserves to have just, like, as much as they can carry. But only in hmm. the dark. In the light, it would just be, yeah, it's a driveway. Wouldn't be the same. Indeed. I mean, if you've even got gravel, you can set up little fake tombstones. It'd be awesome. It's also, yes, it's the wrong solstice. It's the solstice, mm. isn't it? It's not the equinox. So, yeah, it's yeah, so it all just kind of, it's a bit weird. It's also a little like the, the fact that we have slightly more historically re- relevant, but even more calendarily inappropriate Guy Fawkes, where, you know, it is like a month from the longest longest day of the year and people wanting to um, set off fireworks and most people just get tired <laughs> waiting for it to get dark enough to see them yeah yeah well I, I have been hearing and seeing the fireworks in this part of the world where where it does get dark like i no longer have to use my hastily bodged together window shades to to keep out the appalling rays of the day star when I wish to sleep. So the fireworks have been going off for a while. Either that or we're being 
invaded in a very slow and extraordinarily festive way, but the fireworks <laughs> thing seems more likely. No, oh, it's like not even a week away, so have the dodgy pop-up stores been appearing and... Um... <laughs> been appearing? <laughs> They've been there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Just get dodgy signage that well signage that yeah dodgy signage that appears in some of the dodgiest stores, yeah it's sort of the yeah that weird overpriced hardware store that sells a little bit of everything now also sells fireworks. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea whether the fireworks packages are as sun bleached as all the boxes on display in their window. I assume so. Ah, uh, tinder dry and extra exciting. Indeed. <laughs> Yes, these are randomised fireworks. Maybe they work. Maybe they don't. Maybe they work <laughs> half an hour from now. Who can tell? Fun for the whole family and the Burns unit. Yes. Yeah, not all of these are munitions from the Second World War, but some might be. <laughs> I just hastily painted some, uh, painted it in bright colours after digging it, yeah, sort of hauling it up out of an ocean trench somewhere. <laughs> yes. I mean, it would make that whole building a bridge to uh, bridge or tunnel to um, Northern Ireland a bit easier that um, the, oh, the British yeah. government was, was on about for a while until it was pointed out that this is actually not a particularly sensible idea. And also, isn't that where we dumped all of that World War II munitions? I guess there's only one way to find out. <laughs> that would be exciting. Yes. Bridge over troubled waters indeed. Just imagining this bridge where every so often when a particularly heavy truck goes over, there's sort of this foot and the tra- truck sort of jumps half a foot in the air and they just keep going. Uh, I think, oh, there's another one. Yeah, this mm. is a terrible idea. I, I have taken a ferry across, not that specific bits of water, but across the uh, the Irish Sea at one point, and um, there's a fast ferry and a slower ferry. The slower ferry can go in almost any conditions. The fast ferry cannot. Which means when I took the trip back, the ferry was delayed slightly, and if you found a chair, you didn't leave it because there were vastly more people on that ferry than there were chairs for them because the fast ferry wasn't running and they'd all been transferred across. Ah, it was right. exciting. <laughs> yeah, and the train back? Oh, that was not a good time for anyone. <sighs> oh, well. So, so we have, um, you know, and it was very much a, a, a circumstance where you've got a chair, you're not getting up to visit the snack bar no matter how much they advertise it. And on the subject of snacks. Oh, nice. Transitioning seamlessly, seamlessly, I tell you, into the uh, topic for the episode, which is we can make anything into a dumpling. Anything. And it comes to us from Taz. Nice. Thank you, Taz. So, did, did, did you come up with anything for uh, this? I came up with a fragment. I really don't know quite where to go with it though so i'm gonna need some help fair enough do you do you want me to sort of throw out my alleged idea first to if you see like. if it sparks anything or mm-hmm. okay go for it all right so i mean i think i previously made jokes about yeah okay we, so we can put anything into a dumpling various increasingly bizarre um things i'm not sure whether a chocolate dumpling is a thing maybe maybe not not sure i mean just just Help, help me out here. A, a dumpling is effectively sort of, it's a regional version of the food that comes in its own edible package. Notion. Yes, like the the pie and the Cornish pasty and the samosa and etc, etc. It's that kind of thing. According to Wikipedia, dumpling Ooh. is a broad class of dishes that consists of pieces of dough made from a variety of starch sources wrapped around a filling 
or of dough with no filling. The dough can be based on bread, flour, or potatoes, and may be filled with meat, fish, cheese, vegetable, fruits, or sweets. Dumplings may be prepared using a variety of methods, including baking, boiling, frying, simmering, or steaming, and may be found in many world cuisines. Some lunatic has almost certainly made chocolate-type dumplings, but considering that dumpling enfolds goza, gnocchi, pierogies, bao, just the, the, first way, if, if, if humans have clapped eyes on a source of starch and something that might be tasty with that source of starch, they have made it into a dumpling. Right, okay. Yeah, so there was the idea of just, like, dumpling as convenient food pocket, and then there was the idea of, yeah, what if you put other things into dumplings, like emotions? Emotions! And then it sort of hit on, indeed... Uh, but then I, I hit upon this one, and it's th- this pitch. It's basically a horror game. <laughs> I think how I, I think how horrific de- kind of depends on where the the GM and the players sort of sit. It would be one of the ones where you kind of have to judge your players. But um, no, no, Craig. With this, this is this is the spooky season, or at least it was when we were recording this. You must scientifically calibrate the exact level of spookiness for this game in advance. Okay, fair enough. We're aiming this at the kids on bikes level. Um, oh, fair. So, no, that's great. That's yeah. absolutely good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, kids on bikes, slightly cartoonish. So in this case, yeah, people, yeah, it's the idea of somebody being able to put things into dumplings instead of, okay, what if what you could put into a dumpling was your age? Not your memories, just your age. Sort of every year... You make a dump. You, know, you you make say one dumpling that contains the last year of your age. You get somebody else to eat it; they get that age, and you don't. Of course, yeah, that's that's how you stay young. They get a year older. They're probably going to notice that eventually. But if you made say three hundred and sixty-five dumplings and got people to eat them, every nobody notices if you age a day or an extra day. We are talking about the pot stickers of Dorian Gray. Very much. And it's okay. funny you should mention that because um, that, that's kind of where I'm where I'm going with this. I'm just taking a slightly more roundabout way because this is a podcast, and we've got to fill time to keep Big Polyhedron happy. Sorry, indeed, indeed. Sorry, um, I should, should <clears> stop <throat> jumping so, to the end of the <laughs> the concept. Um, yeah, come on, dude. Our sponsorship money is on the line here. <sighs> Buy Dorian Gray pot stickers. <laughs> they'll they'll stay with you. <laughs> yeah, Dorian Gray pots pictures. They're a picture. Uh, You'll go wild for them. Ooh. Come on, that, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I'm wild like, about Dorian Gray's pots. Anyway, okay, let's let's stop here. Let's yeah, maybe we maybe we shouldn't branch out into marketing <laughs> just yet. <laughs> I I think we should because let's face it, we're terrible at it. Um, so you have as the setup, you've got somebody who is basically keeping themselves alive for a very long time by making up batches of dumplings that contain their age and selling them to people. Or possibly just to make sure people eat the fucking things, giving them away as free samples. Because who's not going to eat a free sample? Mm. Um, Even if it tastes a little bit iffy. However, yeah, as far as they're concerned, they're putting their age in. They're putting, say, a week's worth of their age into this small batch of dumplings that they're giving away. But what if that's not what's going on? What if what they're putting in isn't like a week's worth of time? They're putting in effectively 
the weight of their years. Because, you know, if you think about it, well, very, very, you know, very much the picture of Dorian Gray thing was that this picture was kind of capturing his corruption and awfulness and, you know, all of the bad shit. That builds up. And so what to this person who's putting putting their age into a dumpling is, okay, so this is a week's worth or a year's worth of of age. But how much does it how much does a year weigh when you're four hundred years old? When every friend you've ever had has died? When you've Ooh, um, Okay. When you know you've you've presumably had to skip out of town a few times ahead of the mobs of people who noticed you aren't aging. When effectively it's the weight of all the horrible shit you've done building up. Well, I, I guess possibly you, you get the, the, the physical stuff, you know, the basic sort of the, the physical deterioration. You get to give away wholesale for free, no problems. That's, that's, that is gra- that's gratis. It, mm. But however, it it's, remains attached to the basically the, the is sort of the, the monkey's poor aspect is you don't actually get to give away the crushing psychological and moral burden of being an immortal dumpling making horrible person i guess i don't know it's uh, uh you wouldn't even have to necessarily be depending on how you wanted to pitch it a horrible person it's just a you're just very old the years weigh heavily upon you and even though you can give away the physical effects of those years you can't have them not have happened they're still there mm, unless you 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 basically re- you basically lost those experiences and that sort of that that when you made the dumplings and somehow i suspect they would uh quickly fall apart so yeah huh, okay it's interesting so you're well we if if you're making it a yeah okay so if you're making it a horror esque thing I gotta assume that the person in question is I mean if it was just a kindly old person who gave away food and was a bit sad that wouldn't really become a problem it would be an an oddity it would possibly be a a very a touching short story about loss and and relying on community it wouldn't be a kids on bikes game though it would not so for for this one because once once thinking about this and trying to think of how to turn it in a game i'm i'm in fact returning to the the kids on bikes scenario that i pitched for telepathic murder ghosts coming out of the trees oh no and the idea of this this small town with a a, a small and understated mob presence just because i quite like the idea and and it and it does weirdly work with that sort of drama. Uh, Indeed. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got this this small town. This is where the the the, the dumpling giver has has sort of set up. And beware the dumpling giver. Sorry. <laughs> and so I'm liking yeah I'm liking the idea of basically the I'd want to drop this into an an ongoing game. And I'm liking the idea of one of the, you know, basically the mob boss for this town. And I'm very much picturing it as, this is a retirement gig. This is somebody who's managed to find themselves a job that is effectively, you know, this town is where stuff comes into and out of the country. It is, 
you know, it has an airport and maybe it has a seaport and you know, it's got all the, the convenient stuff that one might use for smuggling purposes and it's very small and it, the, the police are deeply stupid or easily bribable and you know, this guy's entire job is to just stop anybody from noticing what's going on. That's it. Just like right. no side scams, no nothing. It's just this is your job. Just maintain the flow of shit so that nobody pays any attention to the town. It's it's a coastal retirement village with a very robust import-export concern. Indeed. I re- really like the idea of this guy coming to the kids on bikes with a problem. And that problem is the suddenly geriatric Jimmy Fingers, who a week ago was a 40-year-old mobster and now looks 80 and is sizing up retirement homes because... He's a bit of an asshole, and he just grabbed the entire tray of dumplings, of free sample dumplings, and walked off with them, stuffing them in his gob. Clearly there's an issue here. Mm. The, yeah, the, 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 yeah, Mobster McGee has absolutely no idea what's going on. But basically, having, having gotten a little bit curious about this, and looked around and starting to notice, actually, yeah, there are a bunch of people in this town who seem to be aging really quickly. And so the horror scenario here is very much... What's doing it? I mean, obviously, don't lead with the dumplings. Mm. But basically, people are aging faster than they should be. That's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem for the, um, the the mob types because eventually somebody's going to notice that and also it's hit one of their own. Um, it's a problem for the kids because, hey, it's an exciting adventure, kids on bikes adventure. Uh, presumably, it's a problem for everybody else because nobody particularly likes aging any faster than they have to quite what the resolution of the thing is i'm not sure i mean from a a certain from a closing the loop point of view it could be perhaps as simple as you get one of these dumplings and you trick the dumpling maker into eating it closing the loop and then all that time flows back into them which means Hmm. they're going to be aging real fast and you get to do that cinematic melty shit and presumably everybody resets to normal at the end of the episode uh presumably it's not as simple as well fuck it we'll just shoot him because Presumably, we've got the dumpling of Dorian Gray somewhere that will take care of that. You know, you, you, know, you pump, pump a couple of rounds into the, the, the dumpling maker and then everybody feels a little bit... Everybody who's ever eaten one of the dumpling feels a bit tingly in the same spot at the same time. I don't know. Hmm. So that, that is the pitch. It is the... Yeah, it could be that the dumpling maker has absolutely no idea this is what's, ha- this is what's happening. Or it could be that they just don't care. Interesting. Yeah. But I did really like the idea of introducing them to, yeah, this is one of my henchmen. Mm. Three days ago, he was younger than me. Hmm. And it sounds like definitely something that makes, um, like I say, uh, in an ongoing adventure, you get to, if you're doing this especially well, you'll have seeded the dumpling maker into the game earlier on. Hmm. And, yeah, and, and, and built and built that, that presence, and they'll have sort of like, aha, we'll try and figure this out and they'll go through this and maybe um, Jimmy is a little bit forgetful and it's like, or maybe the dumpling, the uh, the dumplings have been a, a standby, uh, a, you know, like a, a common feature. So yeah, okay, he, he snagged a bunch of them, but he didn't, doesn't think that is, you know, possibly being leading to this. Maybe something else happened on the same day that was seemed way more supernatural which is a good which is a good sort of red herring and maybe even Ooh, lead nice. to other sorts of things but um yeah eventually 
tracking down the uh, culinary culprit and figuring out how to... Because um, overall, <laughs> yeah, maybe everyone's thinking, well, this is a really nice retirement town. It's like, well, actually, the average age is lower than you'd think, just looking around. <laughs> mm. Ooh, nice. Yeah, maybe it's sort of quiet and, and has kind of a Shady Acres vibe because, you know, everyone is like, it's not, it's not like, it might be enough to distort the this, this, this statistics on a, you know, number of hip operations versus average age uh, residence kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's just putting a bit of a uh, complexion on the uh, local inhabitants. Mm. And if you want to up the stakes or put a, put a deadline on it, if you've got some sort of festival or some, some sort of community event and, oh yeah, the, the local businesses always turn out and have stalls for that sort of thing. Yeah, the dumpling ones are really popular. Mm. I, ideally, having them having them figure that out the day of the festival would be oh, quite Oh, absolutely. Fun. That is your, your lead into like the second or third commercial break mm. cliffhanger. And then they rush off to do something exciting like that. Yeah, I can see it. Um, yeah, as you say, I'm not exactly sure... It would probably make more sense in the context of your game, but coming up with a specific mechanism by which you can undumpling your um, community. Mm. I would probably yeah. go for something like Kids on Bikes. I feel like something like Kids on Bikes, you want at least a little bit of the everything resets to normal at the end of the episode kind of vibe. So mm. I think... Yeah, once you deal with the problem, the age starts to go away again, I think would be would be the thing of it. So you could have a certain amount of fun if yeah, if you can pretty much assume that everybody in town has eaten one of these dumplings at some point, including mm. the kids, then yeah, you can you can perhaps sort of seed that thing by having possibly having um yeah, somebody somebody hit the dumpling maker who doesn't really react. But everybody feels this vague sting where the punch location was, kind of set up. Mm-hmm. There is a linkage here. It's still in. It, it's still ongoing, and also it stops them from just going. Well, fuck it, shoot the guy. Because um, yeah, these are role players. <laughs> Even in the kids on bikes game, these are still role players. Hmm. And it does encourage a more um, interesting solution. Hmm. Yeah. I think the background of having the campaign would make it more more personal and give you more options to figure out a way of, aha, we know exactly the thing to uh, combat this menace kind of thing. But yeah, no, that sounds pretty cool. Woohoo! Cool. So, what was your one? Um, I had a look at the thing about the, we can make anything into a dumpling, and even before I saw the Wikipedia thing, I thought, there are a lot of different sorts of dumplings. Humanity likes to take starch and put it around other things, including more starch. Pretty good at it. We'd do that mm. anyway. Mm. Indeed. And, Does that mean you know, a deep-fried re- Mars bar is technically a dumpling? Not really, because that's a different sort of battering and frying. Ah, good point. Okay, as you were. I suspect the same distinction with crumbing and, and the like. So... The scenario I imagined is that humanity, big dumplings, big on striving, embracing their future, travels out in space using some sort of marvelous technology, which means, you know, we don't lose track of our time on our, on our home planet and, you know, it all happens relatively, relatively quickly. 
It's not, however, so instantaneous that the culture at the far end of this journey hasn't been picking up radio signals and had a bit of a heads up that this bunch of yahoos is about to arrive in their little corner of space. And interstellar war seems like a bad thing, but they are very, very aware that these humans are quite good at cultural appropriation. And besides, you know, beyond all of the problems with that, the species, this culture, likes their culture, and they would like to not have it appropriated, please. However, they have something on their side. There has been a stream of, of uh, radio and television signals and some other sort of, sort of more modern space age uh, transmissions have been focused along the route that humanity's been taking through subspace or whatever, the warp, who knows, to arrive there. And it has provided a warning, plus some interesting cultural context. So when the humans arrive... The, the aliens, without, you know, like, egregious malevolent intent, are fully armed to interact and, and sort of get an idea of, of, of yeah, have an idea of what the humans might be susceptible to and easily distracted by. And the game is literally the aliens playing those dumb humans for saps with cultural references and, sh- and setting them up with scenarios where, even if it's been... Even if it's been generations, even if it's been a bunch of time since these things have been have been um, you know part of the popular consciousness, they're still susceptible to this, the, these thoughts. So they are using them to stage various uh, scenarios to get them get them dis- uh, to get them distracted and to go along with sorts of things, just to try and stop them from totally dumplingizing their culture. Huh. Okay. So. Just, just trying to sort of run, run up a summary in my own, in my own brain meets here. So, effectively, they are they are running interference on their own culture, so that effectively the humans don't really understand. So that the humans effectively never see what the alien culture is. They're instead seeing cultural references that are specifically designed to appeal to humans. Yes. Interesting. They are running memes on them. Ha! And there was, I think, a few episodes of Stargate Atlantis where it was discovered that a, like, this fairly advanced race had been hiding out as being sort of simple agrarian types with harvest festivals and just not Mm. letting anybody know about the enormous underground bunkers and the space travel. Um, I guess shades of Wakanda, Wakanda from uh, the the Marvelverse. So okay, but this is aliens doing it through the medium of Halloween and Thanksgiving, and cat memes, presumably. Yeah, whatever comes ahead. I mean, they they don't have a they don't have a perfect grasp of human culture, but they are they they figured out some patterns and they figured out some things. And I think it might be interesting to run it as like first contact, but with you know, without all the cards on the table kind of thing, just to make sure that humans, because I suspect humans' um, enthusiasm for sharing other cultures might pose a significant threat, especially if you have you have strong feelings about that. I mean, the phrase comes to mind of somebody's perhaps a bit unkind uh, description of the British Empire as a group of people who attempted to uh, conquer the entire world in search of spices that they then refused to use. 
Um, das, das Maybe. Um, yeah. That's... I quite like that. Because it's... I mean, not, not so much in terms of system, but in terms of structure, it's almost an... It puts me in mind of the various heist-type games that you're kind of... Hmm. You're, if you're tap dancing, or at least you've learned enough about tap dancing to convince the humans that you're tap dancing, uh-huh, <laughs> ahead of what, you know, just ahead of what the humans uh, think is going on as they attempt to learn about your culture and you attempt to have them not. Huh. At least to satisfy their curiosity with the most banal and, like, basic level of things so that they don't sort of become wildly entranced and start to uh, packaging and uh, exporting your um, cultural uniqueness. Hmm. Okay, so uh, just sort of trying to think of it. So it would be the equivalent, a, a potentially the equivalent of re, yeah, repackaging Christmas so that they get to find out about the gift-giving bit and the family bit, but managing to hide all of the religious aspects. Yeah, yeah, it, on the basis that they would somehow break it horribly. Maybe they're, mm. the, 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 the aliens are a little bit precious about that sort of stuff, but, you know, they have had a bunch of highly compelling evidence blasted down a uh, wormhole at them that this could easily happen to them too. So mm. it's, it's a game about resisting colonization with memes. With memes and subterfuge. I like it. Yeah, it it should be relatively lighthearted. The the humans mean well, sort of, but don't quite know how disastrous their interference could be. I mean, one can point to certain bits of real world colonization at circumstances where people meant well but ended up doing awful, awful things by accident. Yep. Certain chunks of New Zealand history come unerringly to mind. Hmm. So, yeah, that was it. Um, mm. You, I think you, you've given a uh, a definite piece of assistance there by referencing heist games. I wasn't sure exactly where, uh, what sort of system to use or how to, to structure it, but that does sound like a um, a good way to do that. And you could possibly have the players play a, one of the teams that are that are taking on various challenges to. Um, escort groups of so forth around and and present the uh the reality that seems to be the the least dangerous nice yes how do we stop them from noticing the things we don't want them to notice how do we stop them from pinching our shit and ultimately how do we give give them nicely packaged things that they can wrap in carbohydrates metaphorically well, the, speaking the, metaphorically the, the 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 idea that that the the these these entities are so single-minded that they will turn anything into dumplings kind of encapsulates the uh, the concerns mm. no i like it I, I i would play in that yeah as you're saying you you would you would probably want to do it a bit light-hearted i'm not sure quite how you do a light-hearted game about resisting colonization but well i'm sure there are plenty of less light-hearted ones so maybe it is it is a bit of wish fulfillment, I suspect, or uh, but it could also function as, oh wow, yes, the uh, the the humans are behaving really, really badly here, and they don't seem to know why. Oh no, 
maybe maybe a moment of self-reflection will creep in there. Who knows? It's a rich tapestry, full of delicious dumplings. Hi, listeners. It's Ben cutting in from the editing booth here. I have to call myself out on this one, uh, partially to save others the bother, and also to give anyone else permission to also call me out on this, in case you think you need my permission, which you don't. Honestly, this one is a lazy pitch on many levels. The shallowest one, mostly because I would not thought deeply into how a game like this would work, but it's also lazy on a deeper and much less personally comfortable level. While I was editing this pitch of mine, it started to feel like it could easily be read as a weird apologia for colonialism justified by some sort of blindness to the possible harms that could occur. And while that clearly isn't a thing in the majority of recorded cases, it definitely seems to get waved around as an excuse or a minimalization for the harms that have been caused. Even best-intentioned tourism isn't without its impacts. And this is a risk that you run when welding tropes together, more or less at random, and not reflecting on what that might mean to others. You can easily fall into uh, invisible patterns, and yes, this one is a hell of a drug. Worse, in this world, which is still dealing with even acknowledging the consequences of colonialism, I certainly felt this could come off as implying that the colonized, in general, maybe don't try hard enough not to be colonized. Which, face it, is a shitty thing to imply even by accident. And while doing this, sitting here editing, I was visited by a very strong recollection of a movie by Jim Jarmuch, Dead Man, and the character of William Blake's guide, Exabache, though I preferred to be known as Nobody. The character is played by the wonderful Gary Farmer, who was recently also in the excellent and funny Reservation Dogs. I would strongly recommend you, you seek that out. And I won't say spirit, I won't say apparition, because that's exactly the problem we're facing here. The image in my mind's eye of Mr. Farmer standing there and addressing me directly with the phrase, stupid fucking white man, was very strong. Well, and other than that, I, if you think you've got a better handle at how to actually do a fun counter-colonialism narrative, kick my ass with it, and I'll back the Kickstarter. So, yeah. Aside from that, I'd also like to shout out the book series they've been reading. It probably put me in this general ballpark before I got horribly lost, by Becky Chambers. It's a series called Wayfarers, and starts with the book A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Excellent, interestingly diverse cast of sophants from all around a, uh, a galaxy, and yeah, I would strongly recommend anyone to read that if they have interest in the downtime before the exciting explodey bits in a space opera. Thank you for indulging me. Back to your regular show where I think Craig is trying to dig me out of the hole I got myself into. Thanks a lot. Sorry, I'm just obsessed by the dumpling thing at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that probably means that those weird, sort of, those fish-shaped donut, those, yeah, those fish-shaped donut things from, from Japan probably don't count as dumplings either. Probably not, but they have mm. many, many dango and, and all sorts of other 
other things. Mm. It's not. It's not everything. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, not so like, something bready, not battery. Yeah. Not yeah. Specifically, baits. Yeah. There's definitely a a distinct class, maybe a subclass, possibly of filled pastries per se. But mm. it's it's we we starting to sort of stray into the hot dog sandwich conundrum in which oh, might all actually yeah. be under the unified of a unified field of failed dumpling. <laughs> they tried to make a dumpling and they screwed it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's incomplete dumpling failure. Yes. <laughs> nice. That's a cool idea. I would I would I would like to play in that game at some point. That is that is a fun that is a fun one. I like that one. And you'd almost have to have snack food. Well, yes, I think this is going to be... Um, maybe that's what it comes down to. Of course, there is the slightly... The slight implied judgmental thing, but humans can, in fact, just be uh, distracted by, by tasty, tasty snacks. On the other hand, that is reasonably accurate, so... Eh. <laughs> it's worked in the past. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's worked for several thousand years. There is no reason to, um, to assume that we will not have tasty, tasty snacks in the future. <laughs> to paraphrase Gene Roddenberry, um, so well, that's cool. Uh, should, should we should we kick into because um, we do have an audience um, suggestion about dumplings from from Tales. Awesome. Nice. All right. Shall I shall I do the readings? Go for it. Alrighty. Here's Taz's pitch. Dumpling Masters, Culinary Academy. I'm imagining a softer kind of Miyazaki fantasy world where almost everyone has some level of cooking skill. Common magic is transitory and not something to store in a fragile or hard-to-open bottle. Also, stale magic loses its potency. Dumplings, steamed buns, and spring rolls have become a popular adventure accessory since you can also eat the container. You probably won't find dumplings that shoot flames, but there might be some that give you flame breath. Spicy. Or the ever-warm steam bun for those cold nights. Perhaps you can find the very rare dumpling of regeneration. Don't eat the last bite, and you'll have a whole fresh dumpling tomorrow. That's just disturbing. I can see uh, Ryutama or Wanderhome as a good fit for systems to use. I seem to recall a recent RPG product about using the monster. Displacer Beats dumplings might be hard to pin down with a fork. John does chime in with... Uh, it, this reminds him of the bunny dangos that you can eat in the video game Monster Hunter where certain of them will give you special power-ups and the normal ones aid in recovery and restoring energy, and it comes with a cute song and dance routine by cats. And there is a link. It will be in the show notes. It is actually quite cute. Just throwing that one out there. So when they, the cats sing about Bunny Dango, they are talking about the ingredients? or It's very cute. It's also very hard to describe. It is a food preparation montage with martial arts elements. Fair enough. Hey, that's um, cool. And yeah, yeah, re- yeah no, I like that idea, Taz. And Ryotama, yeah, was, was what I was thinking as that uh, description played out. That would be a, um, a nice little addition to, um, to that sort of setting and world. I am having a complete memory failure on Ryotama. Uh, Ryotama is, what is it, natural fantasy role-playing? It is literally... A Final Fantasy game wrapped in a Miyazaki kind of appearance. Huh. The the it mean, okay. the real term means dragon's egg, and the dra- the dragon, a a dragon is writing the story of a bunch of adventurers 
and different sorts of dragons write about different sorts of stories and also they are kind of the gm sort of in this world uh dragons are very important for lots of natural aspects but the particular echelon of dragons do do these sort of like tail tail spinning things but the the regular folks in this world there is a there is a tradition of people going on journeys when they come of age and having adventures and it's a very normal thing for very normal people to do even though sometimes it gets a bit exciting cool okay yes so it's 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 super cute (laughs) one one would hope so with the the, the miyazaki thing sort of pushes it towards the cute end of the spectrum but doesn't Mm. guarantee it because okay that is quite fun yeah Hmm. though the the dumpling of regeneration is just kind of a uh, that would be creepy. Yes. What happens if you cut it in half? Do you get, like, two dumplings? Hmm. Like a worm. You know, you've got to get the saddle. Uh, kind of kind of bit. Hmm. Perhaps we stop asking awkward questions. Imagine <laughs> 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 some sort of combat sequence with, Quick, stop him! He's reaching for his lunch pail! Or just grabbing the wrong dumpling. Like, you know, don't, don't worry, this will heat you right up. Accidentally sets fire to the inn. Okay, mistakes were made. Indeed. Cool. No, it's, it's an excellent little mm. addition, I think. It, yeah, it would... Especially from your description of Ryutama, it's a very cute... Yeah, a very cute magic system, for want of a better phrase. It sort of fits, mm. fits the vibe, as it were. Yes. Yes, definitely. I think that would be... It would... To be honest, it would probably have seemed a bit much to build into that game's you know it would, it would seem to be overdoing it but if you wanted to add that to your game and you thought it was appropriate yeah that would work <laughs> mm. then you don't get the um the, the i am the mighty wizard casting a spell it's sort of a i am a mighty wizard here have a spring roll <laughs> yes i suppose shades of the av- the, the um, sort of avatar last airbender nice cup of tea kind of uh, kind of vibe yes okay so Alright, so, and additionally, Tannis has been catching up on his podcasts and apparently ripping through other episodes for The Big Red Couch. Regarding The Big Red Couch 160, Laser Plated Hero, it says, FAE, Fate Accelerated Edition, is a good call for the Omnipunk game. It is my go-to game for when I want to hack a setting on the fly. And for all punk games, it's pretty much a mission requirement for flexibility. For the reality-breaking supers game, I'm going to go all earthsy on that. It is the power of names that undoes the super or villain. It's the secret. It's why secret identity is so important. Hey, Clark Kent, why don't we go to? Uh, didn't we go to journalism club together? Superman falls out of the sky like a rock. Funnily enough, Grim Jim made an all punk game. So it is thing. Is it Asterix Punk Unleashed? Asterix Punk or Star Punk, uh, presumably, just like any punk. Yes, refers to any type of punk. Hmm. For Big Red Couch 161, Cognitive Dissonance, any game idea inspired by Murderbot is full of wit in my book. Regarding safety protocols, I'm not a fan of the X-Card. I prefer a light version of the script change system. It feels more natural to me. Yeah, I've worked with the uh, script change one as well. I've not really got it running as easily as I, as I might, but um, the, the X-Card's a little bit more abrupt... But mm. I think abrupt but easier to easier to explain is is my fairly limited understanding of it. Like the X card, yeah. you've got one thing to explain, whereas script change, 
there's a bit more stuff to it. It's mm. from what I can tell, that are arguably a better a better way of dealing with it, but perhaps harder to introduce to people who are completely unfamiliar with the entire concept of the thing in a four hour convention gaming session. Yeah. Also, one of the one of the most useful things I suspect is to normalize that sort of content management or kind of that, that sort of flagging of content in the game system themselves. I believe For the Queen uses something similar to an X card for just for a range of things, including just tone, because there's a lot of input from there. But sometimes you like to say, no, nah, I don't see that in this game and use mm. it for use it for more general yeah i don't i don't see us having rocket boots in this particular fantasy setting kind of thing as well as for other sorts of content so because while it might not be as personally deeply like like emotionally affecting having somebody throw weird shit in your game fish milk style for the fun of it can be just as disruptive so oh god yes yeah so that can be a thing and just going going back over those ones, I, I, I had to actually go and look up to see what the game idea inspired by Murderbot was. I think that one may have been my fault. Maybe, maybe. You're the, you're the one who's read that series, I think. So. It, it does definitely um, sort of increase the chances that it was my fault. Yeah, it was the uh, yeah sort of transhumanist, um, effectively transhumanist detective story of stuffs going mm. on and there is... Systems are being suborned from within, within kind of thing. And yeah, the murder murderbot is fun. That hmm. sounded weird the instant I said it, but you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. For Big Red Cat One Sixty Two Ruins of the Ancients, Fast was still alive and kicking with Earthdawn. They were also developing Aetherstream Interceptor, a spiritual successor to Renegade Legion Interceptor. Interesting. Well, I thought they'd kind of come and gone and been resurrected at some point it's not surprising questlandia is a brilliant solution for this the vault of unspeakable dooms for replayability you can totally borrow from the cube as it randomizes itself when it's not trying to kill you another possibility is the vault is actually a time machine after all these secrets are so god-awful terrible that it is safer just to destroy them and then go back in the past to to collect them if you need to use them at some point some things are just too key, too dangerous to keep lying around. Also, uh, Questlandia is getting another edition because the first one is entirely sold out. Um, and it's on Kickstarter currently and doing pretty good numbers. So, yeah. Uh, we'll put it's a, a revised there. edition or they're just doing a reprint? Uh, it's a revised edition. I think it's fully... Uh, they're adding in um, a bunch of stuff to it. So I've since I've been jabbering about it for years, I have definitely backed that one. Yes, they've added in disemboweling rules. Eh, less likely. Fair enough. It seemed unlikely, but I thought I'd throw it more out there. Conti- yeah, more continuing campaign stuff, two-player versions. Ooh. And try not to lean on as heavily on the just do wacky stuff, stuff you've never seen before, which is honestly why I liked it. But also <laughs> just saying, also, you can just do something you've you've just wanted to see in a game that you're playing right now, which is also valid. Cool. All right, and you liked the uh, Nims slash Land of the Giants mashup. It's been long enough that I've forgotten what that particular one was. Uh, that was my um, little oh. tiny people. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, basically people people who had been miniaturized 
as a way, a potential way of dealing with oncoming climate crisis. Mm, mm. And basically it wasn't done in time. I, I think it was mostly just it, the idea of people looking at an enormous skull the size of an office building and, and sort of the idea built out from there. But yeah, it was exploring a very, very big world. Indeed. Tess says that Mothership might be a good idea for a combat archaeologist game setting. Random thought. Huh, this building is empty. Oh wait, what if this whole thing is a machine and we're trapped inside its guts? Yes. I have, oddly enough, had that sort of experience. Huh, okay. You can do a tour of the Boeing factory in um, Seattle. And yeah, there's, there's bits of it where it becomes alarmingly um, apparent that this isn't a building with stuff in it. This is a this is a plain assembly system with a roof. Mm. It's it's a machine that planes move through, and yeah, you are you are in the guts of this gigantic machine. I I sort of remember looking looking out at one bit and then sort of pointing out of like yeah okay this is the platform where they do a bunch of stuff to the wings. You will notice that there are you know there are a couple of bloody great trenches. That's where the engine pylons pass through, but the engines aren't mm. um, attached yet. Yes, they take down the railings when the, tra- the when the plane moves off the platform again. Yep. Yeah, it's enormous. And what's more, it's all probably controlled by SAP, so it is inherently evil. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. I have <laughs> had to deal with two perfectly appalling SAP um uh, implementations in my time. I'm assuming there are really good ones out there, but um, these did not get applied to the timesheet system of an energy company or the ordering system of a book company. I think they tried that. So they tried to turn it to a point of sale as well, which would <clears throat> assume oh. that wouldn't have gone well. God, that hurts my soul. <laughs> oh wow. Um, oh. Oh, all right. So that was while, just awful. While, <laughs> while Craig is 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 suffering, we can press on for Big Red Couch one sixty two point five. The mailbag, the superhero support crew. What about a sponsor supers? I like Captain Amazing from the Mystery Men. Would that make the players the pit crew? Also, Diaspora is a good choice for John's Dark Colony game. Instead of building linked worlds as part of character generation, what if the players built linked cities and facilities? The dusty pleasure dome makes me think that Mr. Goose is is only a simulation. Maybe he uploaded himself and everyone in his family into the computer network. Perhaps there was an assassination attempt, blew the dome, and the meat space body, bodies died. But there was a cover-up, so that the board stays in power. <laughs> is John sending all the secret pleas to help from Geese? Nah, John is a food adventurer. It's probably a plea for cranberry sauce. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of recipes for goose food apart from pate and some, you know, despicable medieval things, but you never know. Needs must. I mean, I'm, I'm, actually, that's fair. I've, I don't know, maybe it's that sort of once per, once somebody has actually managed to kill a goose... They take its power. Well, they just want to keep hitting it to make sure it's dead, and so all you end up with is mush. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, a, you, you can't turn your back on a goose while it's, uh, it still might be alive, that kind of thing. Absolutely not. Yeah, you hear stories. Wow, we talk about a lot of stuff. We do. Yeah. I do quite like the idea of the... Because I remember the, the John sort of dark colony, the goose sort of setting up his own empire effectively on Mars. 
yeah, the notion the notion of people sort of breaking into as kind of a, a, a between seasons break, the players coming up with a scheme, they break into the, 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 the goose's pleasure dome and find that the dome's blown. Everybody mm. in there is dead and has been for a really long time. Mm. But yet the goose is still responding to people. You sort of basically that's sort of the mid the mid game scenario flip kind of thing. That suddenly suddenly we're playing a very different and much creepier game. Or we're just playing a game where the goose has been dead for ages and um, the board has just been using like a sock puppet and some um, mm. some fairly advanced filtering to pretend. Yep. Yep. Well, it, the situation wasn't great to start with, but it certainly raises, it raises questions. Hmm. Alrighty. That's a bunch of cool stuff. We have one from John. Continuing the the meanderings and and hard-hitting, scientifically accurate plot development of um, Starfleet bagels. And this is specifically to do with the idea of the inexplicable bagel shop kiosk on a Starfleet starship. To add for the, to the Starfleet bagels one, since Jones seems to know who everyone is, but there's no record of him or his shop on the ship's databases, means he has a one-way access to said databases. But he only uses them to get personnel data, right? Five years into his mission, each Jones has developed some idiosyncrasies. Uh, Enterprise Jones has a great relationship with Mr. Data, who treats him well and offers to look under the hood every so often to keep Jones on the straight and narrow. Not that Jones ever took him up on the offer. No, Jones has an agenda. Free Moriarty from his prison. Thus the sly pushes here and there, a word or two that, while not consciously remembered, act more as a subliminal suggestion that soon, soon will be acted upon and free the master from his virtual prison. Of course, Moriarty would view Jones as a danger and would do away with him if Jones ever actually found a way to free him. My memory of this one, because I think I have seen some of the, the Star Trek Next Generation Moriarty yeah. episodes, is that it was basically they told the computer to create a Sherlockian villain that basically would be a challenge to Data, and what they ended mm. up with was Moriarty, obviously, who was aware that he's a hologram. Yes, cyber, cyber Moriarty, yes, yeah, virtual Cyber Moriarty running on all of the, the advanced hardware that the Enterprise had at its disposal. Indeed. Yeah. Hmm, that's a entire, yes, the, that, that, that's not somebody you want getting out. I, he, I remember he could be reasoned with and bargained with, but you wouldn't necessarily trust him, like, ever. Hmm. Yep. Okay, so that's... That was that one. And um, Taz also had an idea for Question the Fog. Um, though, as, as he puts it, it's world-building, if not a solid game pit. The event known as The Fog is a worldwide mental fog. Some folks are just plain muddled. Others can't see more than a few minutes into the future. Some people can't see further than 20 feet. The question is, why? And so our team of handicapped heroes are seeking the answer. I can see this as a one-shot or a mini-arc. Perhaps the always-mentioned Atomic Robo would work, but Gumshoe or other sleuth game would work as well. Perhaps even a kids-on-bikes thing. Hmm. Hmm. That's quite fun. Is it that your regular response team is dealing with these, these new issues, or they found a bunch of people who are already pretty good at dealing with messed-up stuff like this, 
and you're dealing with like a handy capable crew of folks who just happen to live with these sorts of things already and just it's not great but they're taking it in their stride either could be either could be interesting i'd probably go with the latter but yeah Hmm. it oddly puts me in mind of the the book the gone away world which Mm -hmm. i really can't describe that much without giving um uh, giving horrendous uh spoilers but it does it does concern a world where the rules have very much changed Hmm. and yeah trying to figure out the why of it while also being immersed in the fact that you yourself have been affected by this change is is an interesting one ha huh. and i guess it's the fact that the world yeah the world itself hasn't actually changed it's your perception of the world that's um hmm that that's changed yeah interesting possibly yeah as, as Taz says you possibly would want to do an extended campaign of it because you're going to at least part of the battle is quite literally in your own mind, but um, you could you could have a lot of fun with a short run. What has done this? How do we figure out what's done this when we can't see twenty feet away, or when some of us can't see twenty feet away? Hmm. It it might be more of a mental fog thing. So mm. yeah, might be dealing with messed up energy levels and um, focusing on stuff, which is going to be interesting to roleplay i mean we've never as a as a community never really engaged with disability in a super nuanced fashion it's all been taken nosmia for for five points or something equally um cheesy yeah my character's an amnesiac that means they have flame powers <laughs> because of point buy systems yeah and i'm not specifically thinking vampire and champions here but i'm kind of thinking vampire and cha- probably gerps I feel like GURPS, you could probably do GURPS. that. Uh, Nosbury yeah, okay. is a GURPS, uh, the GURPS uh, example. Huh. That's a pretty specific one to put in there. Oh, yeah. The, but GURPS was that kind of game. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, Anosmia an- an- did come up, or the notion of Anosmia uh, did come up in, uh, I think it's a Spider Robinson book, Telempath. Hmm. So, yes, okay. Questioning the fog. Cool. It's a pretty direct question. I like it. Yeah, why are you here? How can we make you fuck off again? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> pretty direct. <laughs> yep. Yeah, where do we kick you to make you go away? Because ultimately, we're still an adventuring party at our core. Yes, we're invested in this thing. And yes. So, we have made a dumpling out of this episode. Nice. So we should, um, you know, boil, braise, steam or whatever it and, uh, in the editing labs and... Um, serve it up to people so but before we do that we get to do a few uh, regular bits of housekeeping i guess indeed well for a start there's what happens for the prompt for the next exciting episode of the big red couch and there was a a strong voting turnout for us but i am pleased to announce and i suspect everybody else will be pleased to hear that the the winner for the topic for um episode 167 is gen con gothic which beat out all of the other um contenders by at least two to one right clear winner here uh this comes to us from john so episode 167 gen con gothic uh i think everybody will probably be relieved to note that the weatherspoons coffee experience did not win because 
I had no idea where I was going to go with that one, and most of the listeners have never been to a Weatherspoons. So there was an uphill battle involved. It, it only got like half the votes of Gen Con Gothic, so not even in the running. Um, so mm. that's, that's it for episode 167. And um, for 168, and so for episode 168, I'm mentioning this now because we noticed that episode 168 will drop on Christmas Day, which feels like the universe telling us, firstly, that nobody will be listening to that episode. But also that this is the perfect opportunity to do a Christmas episode or a more general holiday episode that nobody will be listening to because holidays. So thus, episode 168 is going to be the big red Christmas episode. And I mean, that functionally is the prompt, but realistically, we'd love to know about holiday games. What is your pitch for a holiday game? Like any holiday. If somebody out there knows how to pitch a Diwali game, I want to hear about it, because I have no mm. idea what that would be like. Yeah, Halloween games, okay, I can sort of figure out how that went. Like an Easter game, what is an Easter game? Yeah, that, that just seems weird. I, I think we should probably go for the major festival, maybe winter solstice festivals in general, those are part that are around that part time of the year, because mm-hmm, they've got a certain commonality. But yes, there are many ways, and and there are many ways of celebrating them. And what sort of things might people expect from a uh, united winter solstice festival game? I guess that gives us an idea, doesn't it? It does. I I just tried, just imagining sort of increasingly obscure, from my point of view, um, sort of holidays. A President's Day role-playing game. (laughs) A Waitangi Day role-playing game. Yeah. I feel like that one would be fraught. It it could be. It, mm. it probably would be. Hmm. It would get deeply boring in the in the UK because we've got the early May bank holiday role-playing game. <laughs> I got nothing for that one. So, yes. So, big red Christmas episode, holiday games in general. We we would we would love to hear about holiday games. Possibly games you've run on a holiday. Possibly games mm. that involve you venting your frustrations on a particular holiday. I'm not thinking of any specific games here, but I did play in a Call of Cthulhu game that somebody set at a um, small town that he'd been forced to holiday in as a child and he was still bitter about. (laughs) The formless terror. A little bit. He really liked destroying that town. Awesome. So yes, send us your ideas. No um, mere poll this time. You get to give us a, uh, a, an idea for kind of the format of the episode, would you say, Craig? The, the, the whole central thesis? Yeah. I mean, I think we've made it alarmingly apparent that we don't actually know what we're doing sort of in general. In general and specific. With this podcast or our lives, but also with this specific episode. Mm-hmm. Just... It's a rich tapestry of cluelessness. Yeah. Yeah, to just only only attempt to resolve this problem or you might you might be biting off more than you can chew. But let's make it festive. Wow. Indeed. Alright, so with that, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed our uh, conversations about dumplings and the delicious things or terrible things that can be placed mm. within them. Indeed. And we will join you for episode 167, Gen Con Gothic. 
Good night, everyone. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time. <laughs>